0: He's uh, traveling as an evangelist now uh, around the country, just encouraging churches uh, through Bible conferences, revivals, missions conferences. And this Bible conference has been very special. God's been meeting with us, and I believe he's going to do it again. So let's open our hearts to God's word. Brother Edward. you come and preach. Thank Thank you, brother. Appreciate it. Amen. Am I on? Let's make sure I'm am I on now. Am I on now? I don't know. Are, am I good? Okay. I want to make sure I'm loud. Amen? Uh, take your Bible, if you would, and turn with me to John chapter 1. Been an absolute blessing to be here and really a privilege to be part of this wonderful baby dedication. Thank you for that great privilege. We want to lift up the Lord Jesus this morning. We've been talking all of our Bible conference about the Godhead, about God the Father, Attributes concerning Him that make a difference to us. This morning we want to talk about Jesus and truths about Jesus that make a practical difference in our life. Tonight we want to talk about the Holy Spirit. And biblically, what should our experience look like in and with the Holy Spirit. But this morning, John chapter 1, notice in verse 1. In the beginning was the Word. Father, we thank You for these few minutes that we have this morning, and I pray that Your Word would speak into our lives. Holy Spirit, would You do a work this morning that will help us to serve You? Will You do a work, if there's one here this morning that is not saved, would You save them today? Would You convince them of their need, and would You convince them of Your love for them? Draw them to You, I pray, through Your Word. We ask Your help. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Jesus, our Savior. Let me ask you this question. Why are there four Gospels? Why are there four biographies, if you will, in our Bible about the Lord Jesus Christ? Well, the truth is that to tell everything that there is to be told about the Lord Jesus, John says it would create so many volumes, so many books, that... The earth couldn't even hold all the books it would take to record all there is to know about Jesus, God eternal. And so, what God did was give us the most accurate picture necessary for our understanding by presenting His life through four very distinct perspectives. Matthew presents the Lord Jesus as the Messiah of Israel. As he writes, he is saying, in essence, Behold your king, Israel. And that's why we see in Matthew a genealogy uh, a genealogy of the life of the Lord Jesus or the family of the Lord Jesus. And it traces very carefully his genealogy to King David. And as David ruled over Israel, and is promised one that will rule in perpetuity on His throne, Jesus is the fulfillment of that and is at times called the Son of David. So in Matthew, we see Him as the King. In the book of Mark, Jesus is portrayed as the great servant prophet. He is seen as a servant. And in essence, Mark is saying, Behold my servant. Now here's the truth. Nobody cares about the genealogy of a servant. He's just a servant. And so Mark gives no genealogy of the life of the Lord. In Luke, he is presented as the perfect man, the son of man. And Luke, in essence, says, behold the man. And there it's important that we have a genealogy. And so we're given one of Jesus all the way back to Adam. And the first Adam failed and sinned, and we are dead in trespasses and sins because of the first Adam. But Jesus, the second Adam, we can know eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And then we come to the fourth Gospel, the Gospel written by John. And John, in his eloquent way, declares that Jesus is eternal God. Behold our God. There is no genealogy in the Gospel of John because how do you make a genealogy for that which is eternal? It didn't start anywhere. It didn't begin anywhere. It has always been. You say, preacher, how do you grasp that? By faith. You say, how do you understand the eternal? By faith. I know this, that the Gospel... Of the Word of God in John proclaims for us that indeed Jesus is eternal. We want to look at that in this first chapter of John. And I want to notice quickly four truths about Jesus, the eternal God. Notice again in verse 1 with me In the beginning. Does that sound familiar to you? That's how the whole Bible starts, that's how the book of Genesis starts. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Now, please understand, I'm not suggesting that Jesus was created in the beginning. What the Bible is saying to us is Jesus was there at the beginning. We'll actually find in just a moment that Jesus Himself is the Creator. He created all that there is. Though the important thing is this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That Word, Word, that's hard to say, is vital for us to understand. Hey, about 49, 48 years ago, I took an elementary Greek course in Bible college. So I am a scholar. No, I'm not a scholar. I don't remember it. But I do have a strong concordance, and study reveals a great truth. That word, word, is the Greek word logos. And it very clearly, Mr. Strong tells us, means that it is an expression, something expressed. And what God is saying to us is this, that He is expressing Himself Himself to us. He is expressing himself to his creation through Jesus Christ, the Word, who was with him, the Father, at the creation, and oh by the way, was as much God as God the Father was. The Word is God. And so if you want to know about God, if you want to understand who God is, if you want to see the mercy of God on display, the grace of God on display, the wisdom of God incarnate, look to Jesus. Jesus reveals who God is to us. He is the very expression of what God desires for us and what God has provided for us It says in Hebrews chapter 1, God, who at sundry times and in divers manners spake in times past unto the fathers by the prophets. I'll stop reading there for just a moment. I'm glad for the prophets, aren't you? I'm glad for Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel, all through Daniel and through the minor prophets. I'm glad for all the truth that they reveal. But can I be very honest with you? As I study the major prophets and the minor prophets, as I read Moses and as I read Samuel and David, here's the truth, I learn a lot, but I am thankful that God did not stop just to reveal Himself in the prophets. I'm glad that God went beyond that and sent His Son to this earth because those verses are finished this way. Hath in these last days spoken unto us by His Son, whom He hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also He made the worlds, who being the brightness of His glory, the express image of His person, upholding all things by the word of His power, when He had made by Himself, purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the Majesty on high. You want to know who God is? Get the Gospels out and read Matthew and find out He's the King of kings. Get Mark out and read Mark and find out that though He's the Creator of all, He's the servant of all. Get Luke out and read that he's a man like you and I, and he lived on this earth for 33 and a half years, faced every temptation that you and I faced, and yet was without sin. And then get John out and read his Gospel and find out that Jesus, the Incarnate One, He is the eternal God Himself. Man, that's high doctrine. That's high theology, but it sure is sweet to a soul, I guarantee you that. Say, preacher, why do I need to know that? Listen, every cult, every modernist in our world today, deny the deity of Jesus Christ in some form. You need to test the spirits, and you need to know that Jesus is God, and anyone who says that Jesus is not God. Anyone that represents to you that Jesus was an angel whom he, God the Father made His Son, or anyone who suggests to you that Jesus was a man who lived such a perfect life that God promoted Him to Son of God, that man is a liar. And you need to turn away from that kind of teaching. He is not a man who led a good life. Well, He did. He's not just a teacher who taught truth. He is God Himself who knew and understood that the only way we could be redeemed was that if God Himself, the perfect One, came and out of grace and mercy died in our place, we could be saved. That's why you need to know He's God. He is God. Here's the second thing you need to know. All things were created by Him. Look at verse 3. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. That first word, Him, in that verse, refers to the Word. The Word is not just some force or spiritual manifestation. The Word is a person, and that person's name is Jesus Christ. He is the Creator. That word made, do you see it in verse 3? All things were made by Him. Again, let me give you a Greek lesson. If you take this Greek word, add $7 to it, you can get a bad cup of coffee at Starbucks, alright? At least a strong cup. That word made is the Greek word "ginomai." It means literally to generate. And what the Scripture is saying, there is nothing you see that was not generated by God, Jesus Christ. There is nothing that you observe. There's nothing that you use. There's nothing you touch. There's nothing you have that was not made by God, Jesus Christ. He is the Creator. He is the Creator God. Paul said it this way, in whom we have redemption through His blood. Even the forgiveness of sins, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature, for by Him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, All things were created by Him and for Him, and He is before all things, and by Him all things consist. He is Creator God. And as I said a moment ago, there ain't no Mother Nature. There is a Creator God. And you say, preacher, why is it important for me to know that? Because as Creator of all, He is over all. He is sovereign. Man, we worry about so much stuff we ought not to spend time worrying about. Because God, the Creator, Jesus, the Creator, is also the one who loves us so much. Why do I need to know it? Because the most powerful force in this universe is on your side. You say, "Well, I don't like what that political party's doing." Well, Jesus is on your side. <laughs> I don't mean he's Republican. All right? <laughs> I just mean he's over all political forces. I don't mean he's Democrat either. All right. Well, I, I, I don't like what that that thing did, or I don't like that sense of or, or situation. I don't like that. Hey, God is over all that, and God is on your side. And sometimes we credit. Too much power to the forces that we see around us, forgetting that Jesus is sovereign and over all of it. Can I remind you of something? Many years ago, hundreds of years ago in our country, there was slavery. A wicked and a wrong institution. But sometimes the slaves understood things that others didn't. And out there in the fields, they would sing spiritual songs, and they had a wonderful way of singing them, and they demonstrated great truth. And one of the, one of the spiritual songs that they would sing went like this. He's got the whole world. In his hands, he's got the whole world. In his hands, he's got the whole world. world. In His hands, He's got the whole world in His hands. I like that because you don't have to memorize a lot of words. (laughs) But then they would demonstrate more than just theology. They would demonstrate relationship and they would say this. He's got you and me, brother. In His hands, He's got you and me, sister. In His hands, He's got the itty-bitty baby. In His hands, He's got the whole world in His hands. Brother, that's deep theology. And the deep theology is this, that He who created all He who created us is able to hold us in His hands. And when all the winds of change blow through this world, I've even heard people say, I don't know if I'd bring a baby into this world. It's God's world. Why wouldn't you? It's God's world. God hasn't changed. And God is able. And God is strong. And God knows. God gave you the child. Why wouldn't you bring the child into the world? I get so tired of that thinking. Who are you serving? You're serving Creator God. And He is able to care for us in this world. That's why you need to know it. Here's the third thing very quickly. Notice in verse 4, in Him was life. And the life was the light of men. Here's the important statement. It's not that He was made alive, Jesus It's not that God the Father animated Him and gave Him life in any way. He is life itself. The very essence of Jesus is life. In Him, part of His nature, His very person is life. He possesses life because it is what He is. And because He is life, He is able to to give life. Hey, I, I understand from my word that I mean what I say. Those precious little babies were given life by God. You say, no preacher, there is a, there is a scientific method. There is a way that procreation, it's just part of our biology. Who made our biology? Who is so mighty and could be so intricate that he could take two humans and produce finally a beautiful baby like Gloria Noel instead of... I'm so glad she looks like her mother. You say, no, that's just biology. That's just natural law. No, that's God. That's Jesus Christ. and. He has chosen to impart physical life through a biological process. He gives us our children to care for and to love. But understand this, physical life for our children, physical life for us, is just part of the equation. Because if we are to have eternal life, we need to be born again. And being born again... Jesus is the source of life. It only comes through Jesus. You say, oh, well, I think that I can go to heaven. I think that I can have eternal life because I really do good. No, you don't. No, you don't. Just tell yourself the truth about you. Jesus indwells your mind. He knows your thoughts. He knows your motives. He knows your heart. No, we're not good people by nature. Oh, we do some good things. We have some benevolent moments. But here's the truth. Every one of us by our nature are sinners. We are dead in those trespasses and sins. That's why I referred to the first Adam. Adam and Eve were put in that garden on probation. And, and they failed. They fell. They believed a lie that the devil told them. And because of them, we and the earth were cursed. We inherit our nature, our human nature, from our father Adam. And because we inherited that sinful nature, we may have good days, but the ultimate course of our life is we are sinners. And Jesus, recognizing that and being the life, made a choice to empty Himself. To inconvenience himself to come and live in the world in which we live. He faced Satan himself, yet did not sin. He faced those who hated him, yet did not sin. He faced hunger. He faced weariness. He faced every temptation that you and I face, yet he was without sin. And then... As He and the Father and the Spirit had determined before the foundations of the world, He went to the cross at Calvary. And there on the cross at Calvary, He suffered and died not for His sin, but for ours. Can you get a hold of that? There as His blood was let out on that cross, the possibility for forgiveness for anyone Everyone who has ever lived on this earth was made available. You and I, talking just a moment about the light. The light can come into our souls. I can't decide to get saved. I can't decide, well, I'm going to change course and just become a good person. I can't change the fact that I'm a sinner. It is my very nature. But under the convicting hand of the Holy Spirit, under the truth of the Word of God, I can look to the cross of Jesus and say, there's life. And His life was given for me. And when I acknowledge the truth of the Word of God that I am indeed a sinner and that He indeed lived a life without sin and went voluntarily to that cross because He loved me. That's one I can't grasp. I don't know how God loved me. I don't know how pure holiness loved an absolute sinner from birth. But He did. And there on the cross, if I will look to Him and simply from my heart say, You're right, I am a sinner without hope. But I see what You have done for me, and I trust Your work on the cross in my place. A marvelous thing happens. I am then given spiritual life. I am born again. I don't understand that transaction. I don't know how sin goes on Him and His eternal life comes on me, except to say it this way. After I got saved, when God looks at me, He no longer sees my sin. He sees the righteousness of His Son covering me. Life. I have been born again. You may not believe this, but I was born physically. 1951. My mother was there. I was there. The doctor was there. In 1975, I was born again. Somebody had shown me from a Bible that I was a sinner and that I needed to be saved. And they had shown me Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10, that I believe in my heart and confess with my mouth. They showed me Romans 10 and verse 13, that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And I remember going down my sofa as my altar, that Bible open, and I prayed a deeply theological prayer. It went something like this, if you can save somebody like me, will you? And he did. And now I not only possess physical life, I possess eternal life. Because I received Jesus, and Jesus is life. I end with this. Notice with me very quickly the fourth statement. He says in, chapter, in, verse, five, in verse 4 and 5, In Him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. It's an odd word. It's an unusual word. Can I tell you what it means? It means they didn't come to the light. They saw the light. I'm not saying they may have understood all about the light, but they saw the light, but they refused the light. How hard will it be for eternity to know that there was an opportunity when we saw the light and refused it? To me, one of the great dangers and one of the saddest truths about hell, the lake of fire, is this. It is not a place of unconsciousness. It's a place of superconsciousness. It's a place where we, re- we will remember, we will know. We won't know, we won't want to know each other. There'll be no love or fellowship, but we will remember our life. That man who was in Hades, oh, remember, he remembered that he had not trusted Christ. He wanted his brother to hear about Christ. And I cannot imagine for eternity as the flames are burning in darkness that is impenetrable, and the pain and the agony is so great that we gnaw our tongue, that every moment for eternity we remember this, I heard that Jesus was life and light, and I didn't come to it. I heard the truth, but I resisted it. I knew that I should, but I resisted. I refused and for eternity, I didn't come to the light. There was that day when that old bald, loud-mouthed preacher down at the creek told me Jesus loved me and died for me. But I comprehended it not. God help us. Eternal God who made us. Eternal God, who knows our greatest need, knew that we could not fulfill it ourselves. So He came in our place for our sake and gave His life for ours. That is the light of the world. And life is only in Jesus. Pope doesn't have life political party can't offer life. All the good works you can imagine and try to accomplish, they don't have life. They're dead works. But in Jesus is life. And that light shines this morning in your heart. And my friend, I exhort you, I plead with you, don't resist the light. Come to the light. You say, well, it's a big crowd in a big room. I don't want to admit to people that I'm not saved. You'll wish you had. You'll wish that you had worried less about what people thought and more about what God demanded. i finish with this. How's this world going to see the light if we don't show it? We didn't light that light with life in our lives to put a bushel over it. But can I ask you, how many people have you told Jesus loves them? How many people have you told that Jesus is the source of life? How many of your family are you, you pleading with and praying for and, and talking to about Jesus being the life and the light? He is the only source of life. If you don't know Him, come to Him. If you know him, tell him, talk about him, show him forth, would you? Pray with me.